1: Welcome into the Fairways of Life show, folks. Pleasure to have your company as always. So today our first guest is joining us all the way from Italy uh, with the technology. If there is a slight delay, just hang in there with us. But we are very excited indeed to welcome uh, Roberta Litti to the show. She from uh, Siena, Italy, where she won the Italian National Championship back in 2013. She played collegiately in the States at Arizona. She graduated in 2018, get this, with a double major, both in sports business and management, and then turned professional afterwards. She had conditional status on the LPGA this past year, but she opted to spend the season on the Epson tour. It was a decision, of course, that worked out very well for as She went on to have the best season of her career, finishing in the top 10 six times she has earned back her lpga tour card and had a pretty emotional post on instagram but i want to talk to her about that in more first of all we welcome roberta to the show how are you how's everything going are you getting a chance to relax at hi, all matt.
2: Th- thank you for having me i'm doing great how are you hi matt can you hear me
1: yeah i can yes it, it, i got okay. uh, you you sound good. I lost you there for a second to tell you the truth on my end. So I'm curious about maybe you just touched it. Cause I I lost what you were saying. How are you feeling? How are you doing at the end of the season? Are you getting your energy back?
2: Yeah, I'm definitely resting. I'm taking a few weeks off. I'm just enjoying some time at home with my family. Um, So I'm really excited about that. And then, I'm going to be back in the U.S. next week, and I'm going to start my off-season prep. So, I mean, it's time. I took my weeks off, my time off. I recharged, and now it's time to get ready for next
1: season. When you go back home, when you get to Italy, because of the amount of time that you're spending traveling, particularly internationally, particularly in the United States, how quickly and how easy is it for you to settle back into the culture that is for you home?
2: I mean, it's always a breath of fresh air in a lot of ways. You know, it's, you know, how I grew up. That's where I spend most of my life. So I feel truly at home. But, you know, now home has become the U.S. as well. So, you know, I just, I'm just happy to be back and spending time with my family and enjoying the food and, you know, just see my friends and everything. But, you know, my life now is kind of shift to the U.S. So I'm excited to get back to and to just start prepping for the season.
1: All right, so if you're having friends over for dinner at home in Italy, what are you serving for the main course?
2: Well, I mean, it's it's tough. I think I would say if I have friends over, I would probably make a nice carbonara. We would start with some wine and then some cold meats and cheese and then maybe a nice carbonara everybody would appreciate.
1: I think everyone would appreciate that. Would you change that main if you were serving friends and having them over the house in the United States?
2: Not really. You know, every time I go to host families when I'm on the road, that's kind of my go to dish. It's a very traditional Italian dish and everybody appreciates It's fast. So I don't know. Maybe not, actually.
1: So when you're when you're with a host family, when you're on the Upset Tour and you decide to stay with a host family, do you, is it? Your way of kind of giving back and saying thank you that you make dinner for the family one night?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Nice. I mean, that's so great that these people do this for us. And the least I can do is cook some Italian food. Everybody loves it. And yeah, that's definitely one way of saying thank you, although that's definitely not enough for all they do for us, you know, on the road.
1: Do you think that that, you know, ability to stay with host families is something that if you can make it work on the LPGA at the game's highest stage, uh, that's something you'd like to continue because it gives you these slices of normalcy.
2: No, I mean, I definitely think it's something that I would like to continue. Like obviously on the LPGA, some weeks is possible. Some weeks is a little bit less possible with the traveling and just going to like bigger cities is harder, Yeah. but um it's definitely something that, you know, gives me the opportunity to meet so many people and just, you know, staying every night in a hotel, it gets old and just to be able to, go home to a family and have a home-cooked meal. It really makes the difference when you're out there for 25 weeks out of the year.
1: I had a little glimpse of golf in Italy when we were over for the Ryder Cup. Now, granted, we were 12 miles, approximately 15 kilometers outside of the city center, and The people knew about the Ryder Cup. You know, restaurants you go into or what have you, and they'd say, oh, you're here for the Ryder Cup, but they didn't really fully understand the nuances of the sport of golf. What is it like for you when you're back in Italy, I assume in your inner circle and and, and those that know your family, they, they know who you are and what you do and understand it. But at large in Italy, how is golf received, particularly for a touring professional, someone that plays golf around the world?
2: It's hard, you know. Like people don't really, don't really have the culture of golf in Italy. Soccer is the main sport, and there is very little room for every other sport. And golf is seen as a sport for old people. It's not like a big sport. And I think with the Ryder Cup, the Italian Federation tried to grow the game and just get more people to get interested in it. It's such a beautiful sport, and the culture is changing. It's not a sport for old people. It's you go to the U S and everybody plays golf. And I think, I think the Ryder cup has done something to the game and hopefully we'll see it in the upcoming years, but it, it's definitely tough. It's tough. It's it's a very unusual thing to be playing golf. People always look at me and they're like, how, how did you start playing golf? It's such a random thing to start as a kid. So definitely it's uh it's not a big sport in Italy compared to the U S.
1: Why did you remind me? Cause I know we talked about it last time you're on with, but remind me again, why it was then that you picked up golf as your sport.
2: Because my uncle started managing the restaurant at the golf course. And yes. so I started going with him over the summer and I would just go there from, you know, uh, from the morning to op- up until dusk. So I was just there all the time and I fell in love with the game, but definitely it's something that a kid would be less likely to get close to just, There aren't as many structures for it, as many golf courses even.
1: It's classic, absolutely classic. Now, the decision you made to stay on the Epson Tour instead of trying your hand where you could, when you could on the LPGA would have been difficult getting starts, I understand, at times. Uh, What went into that decision and what risks were you balancing on each side?
2: You know, the the biggest risk and the biggest thing that I was scared about was obviously that I had my one opportunity to play on the LPGA, the dream that I had since I was 10 years old. And, and just, you know, just give that dream away to try to make top 10 on the Epson Tour and get better status for the following year. You know, like at the beginning of the year, I had about 10 starts guaranteed, I would say. And they were all towards the end of the season. And for me to keep my card against every other player who's playing twenty, twenty-five events was for me a really hard chance to take. So I figured that since I started my season well on the Epson tour, I had a better chance. But when I made when when I made that decision, it was all up in the air. It was all only halfway through the season. I had probably sixty thousand more dollars to make to earn my card on the Epson tour. So I wasn't any close to it. I just I just thought that for a little bit, I just had to stick to it and, you know, gain more confidence in going into next year on the LPGA and just try to be patient. But, I mean, the risks were high. That that could have been, for my whole career, the only chances I had to play on the LPGA. So it was definitely a scary decision for a while.
1: You know, with that, once you have accomplished it, once you've gotten through the other side of that, what you just de- defined as a scary decision, Roberta, uh, your quote was was powerful and was moving, and it was as follows. It's been quite the journey. Countless downs, a few ups. It hasn't been a smooth journey. Probably thought about quitting 100 times in the last five years, but that there was always that little Robbie voice telling me to just keep going and believe in myself, close quote. Uh, how close— did you come in reality to saying, this isn't for me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk away?
2: Truly, a lot of times, I think even going through college, I wasn't really positive about turning pro in first place. I, I really thought, you hear a lot about it, how, how tough it is out there, and you know I didn't have my best college career, at least not up to the standards I had before going to college. And I thought I was, I, it wasn't just the thing for me. I had gone through a lot of rough patches in college, and I wasn't really sure about it. And I just took a leap of faith because I thought that I would have regretted it if I never even tried. And my first year out on two was hard. I think I only made six cuts out of 20 starts. And, I mean, I I was close to not even finishing the season so many times. I mean, even financially it's a lot when you're not making cuts and you're just spending money and for that i'm very thankful for the people that helped me along the journey when i really needed it the first couple of years mm-hmm. and um and then and then like recently you know i think it's so easy like with golf to just like go in very low downs and I just was happy I was able to just be patient and stick to it. Sometimes it takes longer, you know. Everybody's journey is different, and I'm just glad I was patient enough to just wait for sure.
1: The the little voice that you talk about is is do you think that was a voice of of conscience? Was that a voice of confidence? Uh, what how how would you describe that which you specifically referenced as as a motivation?
2: I think that um I think the biggest thing for me was that, as a, as a kid, I, I really loved the game, and since since I was ten, truly, I had the dream of playing on the LPGA. And you know, I was I was good growing up, and then I had like a little bit of a few setbacks, but um, I think the little Robbie voice was telling me that. That was my dream, and I just couldn't give up just because I was going through tough times, and I had to push a little harder to just see where it went. And I mean, it may or may not have worked out, but I know the little Robbie would have kept trying until she had nothing more to try for, I would say.
1: How proud would that child be looking at the adult uh, Roberta Litti that's on her way to the LPGA in earnest?
2: I think she would be really proud. I think what she would be mostly proud of would be just like truly the perseverance to keep going and, you know, to just like believe in herself and in her dream. Um, I was, I was, you know, as a kid, I was like so fierce and had so much grit and I just never gave up. And I think that's what little Robbie would be the most proud of to just have kept, that strength and the grit, growing up, and as a twenty-eight-year-old,
1: how excited are you at the prospect that you could represent Italy in the Solheim Cup?
2: I mean, that would be that would be a, a dream come true. You know, That's, you know, when you as a kid, when you look at it, it's like playing on the LPGA, winning a tournament, winning a major, playing on the Solheim Cup. Those are, I guess, the three main dreams of a kid. And so definitely would be a dream come true. I think there is time for everything. And, you know, there are certain things like the Solon Cup that they just come on their own. You just do your thing. You play. You put all your effort in. And then, you know, if the call comes, that's great.
1: I'm going to ask you about your sponsors in just a second, Roberta, before we wrap up here today. But before I get to that when when you take a look at the video that that the LPGA was kind enough to send to us from the Epson tour you have a vibe out there uh, your your fashion sense your colors the the whole thing i mean how would you comment on the image that that you set as you were out there working your thing
2: i mean i think i think when i look at it the thing i'm proud to look at is just you know how passionate i look about the game how happy I am to be out there, and how much fun I'm having. So I think that's what, when I look at myself, at least that's the main emotions, I guess I feel is just, I'm in the zone, and I'm just happy to be there. And I'm like, you know, pursuing my goals to the fullest. And I think that's the image that I like to see of myself, just, you know, just be happy to be out there and enjoying pursuing the dream. Like, I I am grateful for the life I have. So I think... That's
1: what I like the most about watching that. That is so awesome. It's interesting that the video that that we've been sent, most of your full golf swings are off the tee. You know, we saw some putting and saw your your grip and so forth. How are you about actually watching yourself play the game of golf? When you watch your golf swing, do you see the power in it? Do you see the grace in it and the athleticism? Or do you see something that you're working on that, that you'd like to be in a better position here or there?
2: I would say with my swing, um, I, I like what I see for the most part, you know, I would say it's my strong suit. And I like when I see myself swinging, I just like what I see. I think I've worked a lot with my coach on it. And I think it looks good. I, I guess when I look at my putting, I think there is a little bit more, more work to do. And there is a little, you know, there is a little bit less confidence when I see those strokes compared to how I strike my driver. But you know, that's the beauty of the game. We just have... Our strengths and weaknesses, and we just learn to manage them.
1: Very cool. Hey, behind you on that, uh, Andrew, go back to that full screen for a second. On Roberto, there's golf clubs over your right shoulder. Are the is that the current set you're playing? Is that a special set? What do those represent?
2: No, that's that's actually a really old set. It's um, just in the room, you know. It's a it's a for show. It's an old set that was huh. gifted actually to my father. So it's just an old set of clubs, just. You know, as decoration, I would say I'm currently playing Callaway clubs. So those are, I would say, probably from 50, 60 years ago.
1: Wow. Very, very cool indeed. All right. So you just told us uh, what clubs you're playing with Callaway. You want to take us down the road of who you have aligned yourself with?
2: Yeah. So I've been playing Callaway clubs for the last two years, pretty much from putter to driver. Uh, I played the Titleist ball, and same for gloves and shoes, Fujoi shoes, and and then I've been I've been lucky enough to collaborate with different sponsors, a lot of Italian sponsors that I'm very proud to represent. Um, I've been working with um, a winery, Cantina Day, which have been supporting me for the last two or three years. Nice. So they're a really really good winery in Montepulciano in Tuscany. So definitely worth a visit. And uh, I've been working this year. I've started to work with a coffee company, Cafe Verniano. And they're based in Turin, in Italy, and they make really great coffee. And um, and then besides that, I've been I've been collaborating with um, a person that I met through a proem, um, the owner of FBI Mechanical, which is a mechanical engineering company. And we met during a proem, and we clicked, and you know we had had a great relationship before even the sponsorship. So. This has been my main supporters of the 2023 season, and I just look forward to more partnerships in 2024.
1: That's very, very cool. Roberto, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. Your story, your message is very inspirational, and and I always believe in, in this medium that that we're sharing, whether it's on the radio side or whether it's on the, the television side, the streaming side, the broadcast side, whatever it is, that somebody somewhere... Outside of your and my knowledge, someone somewhere is hearing a message that they need to hear. I'm going to ask you to leave us with a message of inspiration. But if you don't mind, please say it to us in Italian.
2: My message is to continue to believe in your dreams and to have the patience to wait for it to become
1: I could not agree with you more. Roberta Litti, (laughs) thank you so much for your time. Congratulations. We wish you the very, very best moving forward.
2: Thank you so much. Take care, Matt. Thank you.
1: All right, folks. The Fairways Life Show is presented by the PGA Tour Superstore, the number one golf retailer in all of the land. It is staffed by professionals. I think that is their chief attribute because there are other big box stores that are going to sell you golf equipment. Do you want to buy your golf equipment from someone that practically has no knowledge of that which they are discussing with you? Or do you want to shop with the pros and know that you're getting the very best for your game at
0: your happy place? Relax. Easy now. Find your happy place. The PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips. Where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! (laughs) Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings.
3: Is this goodbye? We've only just
0: begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. In Ireland, golf is more than just a game. Come and experience our world-famous Lynx courses and our world-famous Parkland courses, all set alongside world-famous scenery and visit our world-famous historic sites. And while you're here, enjoy our world-famous hospitality. Fill your heart with Ireland at ireland.com forward slash golf. It screams. It tracks.
4: The Gen 6 iron is a culmination of everything that we have learned as a team. The absolute best golf club I have ever hit. It's something special. Say hello to the new PXG Gen 6 iron. The longest, most accurate irons we've ever made. They go higher and farther than any iron that I have hit to date. And they're so easy to hit. Super excited for the consumer to try this. They're going to love them.
0: PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do. Period. Baseball? Nah. Football? Done it. I think I'm going to go after the PGA Tour. Bo,
4: you're going to need the right equipment company. I think I got that. You know Tour Edge backs all their clubs with a lifetime warranty. I know. They ship all their premium custom clubs in 48 hours. I know. All their premium clubs are hand-built in the USA. I know. You know Tour Edge has won 35 times out here. Guys, I know. Pound for pound, nothing comes close. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One
0: zero one. Gives
4: you feedback in real time. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback.
2: The Wiz really helped me to keep that consistent swing.
4: You can go out there on your own and just hit balls, and it'll fix your golf game.
2: Transition on plane. The
3: Wiz sold exclusively at thewizgolf.com.
1: All right, welcome back to the Fairways of Life show. Pleasure to have your company. So, Don, what what did you end up doing for the question of the... Day? I know yesterday we tried to do the, you know, how much golf, how much is too much, which was about the rates of some of these big clubs, which I'm going to get into in just a second. We have a few minutes before our next guest. Uh, but the unfortunately, technically, the technology didn't work yesterday. So I think the only thing we put out was the question... And without any context, what context are you giving to your question today if it is the same? Going to, yeah. $900.
3: Some golf is too much. Like it's just too much money to spend on a golf course, full stop. So the question is, how much is too much to play a golf course? What is the line? What is your line? What is your line where you say, you know what? I don't care what it is or where it is. If it's over this amount of money, forget it. It's just not worth it. Uh, so right now, the way I have posed the question is $200 or more. I know your guys are, I know there's folks watching. These are the, the options world, right, so right
1: now. The first one is $200 hours or more. Got it, got it.
3: Two hundred dollars or more yep. three hundred dollars or more is that too much? forget it four hundred dollars or is that too much or more is that too much and then the last thing is the right course the way I wrote it out is the right course is priceless if, if, if you have to play pebble you don 't care what it costs you 're going to play pebble i 'll pay anything whatever it is is that is that where it is so we're early in the we're early in the in the, in the ballots here, Matt, but right now seventy four percent or more is too much. $300 and $400 or more is like 11%, 5% are saying they'll pay anything. But right now, there's a huge gap. $200, they're saying.
1: All right, so... Or
3: more is just too much money to play golf.
1: Again, this was prompted by when I saw that TPC Sawgrass was putting their their fees up to $900 for a round of golf. Uh, My first question to you from wherever you're joining us around the world is would you pay nine hundred dollars to play TPC Sawgrass? Now, bear in mind this is a very sophisticated place. They're not going to put the rate up to nine hundred dollars if they don't think they can get it. So, the answer from plenty of people is yes. But what is your answer? Would you pay that much? And, and Dom's answer of the day. I'm going to go through some some various places. Uh, Kings Barnes, which is outside of St Andrews, it's where we took our listeners' trip just this past year. They're four hundred sixty. It is absolutely spectacular. Now, these fees that I'm giving you are approximate because we're looking online sources to try to confirm what current fees are. Uh, Shadow Creek, that was the highest that that we could find as yet, at $1,000, right? $1,000. Pebble Beach, here we go, six hundred. dollars $25, $25. And again, I gave you an approximate of that because we're finding these fees online. As far as we know, most of these fees do not include a caddy. And I've heard I've heard different comments from people about Pebble Beach that no, you need to make sure you're staying also on the grounds. And you know, if if you if you stay in a pebble property, I I don't know what that runs a night. A friend of mine recently stayed and told me that it was a thousand dollars a stay for the night. Pinehurst. Number two, 460. Now, with everything I've read to you so far, would, would you think that, to this point, the best value compared to the others is Pinehurst number two at 460? Even the old head in Kinsale, Ireland, which is one of the most spectacular golf courses anywhere in the world, sitting on a peninsula that juts out two and a half miles into the Atlantic Ocean, That's $484, and that course actually will be a part of our listeners' trip to Ireland in 2024, which we'll be releasing information on shortly. And maybe this continues down the pathway of talking about some value here. The old course at St. Andrews. Now, the old course at St. Andrews, again, is where we brought our listeners' trip this past spring. Late May, as it was, three hundred twenty dollars, and again, that doesn't include a caddy. And they don't require you to take a caddy. You can carry your own bag. You can take a, you know, a trolley, or or you can use a caddy, which I strongly recommend. Actually, you do if you're gonna if you're gonna take the time to go over there, you know, get some get some expert instruction to help you along the way. Now, uh, for me, and for my bias, of course, I'm going to talk about Lahinch and Bally Bunyan. Lahinch at two hundred and eighty and Bally Bunyan at three ten. Uh two links golf courses. And I love all the courses that we've mentioned so far of the ones that I have been at and played. I haven't played Shadow Creek. But of all the other ones that I've I've been at and that I have played, this is the six hole at, at La Hinch that you're looking at right now out uh, framed by Liscanner Bay, and you can see out beyond the the breaker where where the Atlantic Ocean runs. I think that these golf courses are every bit as good as any a golf course, famous or otherwise, that you will face around the world. They are that spectacular. Uh, the Bandon Courses, $350. That was from their website. Royal Melbourne, 750 Whistling Straits, 555 And Kiowa, which is interesting. It was kind of a different way of, of phrasing it. It said starts at 600 so that's why we asked the question. How, how much is too much? At what point do you say nope, this is where I stop or is there a stop gap and you say no no no. Uh, life is short. You go around once to play the course that I've always wanted to play that you can get on. You know, I didn't do I didn't do anything crazy on here. I didn't put on courses that are that are inaccessible. I put on courses that you actually can get on. Uh would you pay it? That's that's what I'm asking. Just Interested and curious about that. All right, we're going to take a break here in the Fairways of Life show. When we come back, we're going to be joined by a very special guest that achieved in their world the ultimate prize. We will describe it, and it's one you're going to be interested in, especially in the season of football that we are in the middle of. The Fairways of Life show was presented in part by DeWiz golf. Log on to DeWizGolf.com and you can see their incredible wearable device that will allow you to monitor your swing, measure your swing in ways that you never thought possible before. It is an absolute myriad of data that will be coming back to you and with this data you can modify your golf swing and with their new on course option it only gets better and better. Check it out for yourself log on to DeWizGolf.com for more. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time.
4: Got it. One zero one. Gives you feedback in real time. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback.
2: The Wiz really helped me to keep that consistent swing.
4: You can go out there on your own and just hit balls, and it'll fix your golf game.
3: Transition on plane. The Wiz sold exclusively at thewizgolf.com.
0: Easy now, find your happy place, place. the PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips, where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! (laughs) Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings.
3: Is this goodbye? We've only just begun.
0: Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. What if we started a company and the company was under no time constraints, no financial constraints? The one constraint is their clubs had to be exceptional performers and much better than any other alternative. I was told time and again, it'll never work. It worked like a house of fire. And I'll tell you what, I think our customers love it. BXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period.
1: Zero Friction introduces the Wheel Pro Push Cart Golf Bag with its revolutionary three in one design, supportive legs that spring into action, a comfort grip handle with three locking positions, accessories for the modern golfer enhanced by seven pockets for more storage, and removable all terrain wheels which slide right into place. The new Zero Friction Wheel Pro Golf Bag checks every box for every golfer, push, carry, or cart. The decision is yours thanks to Zero Friction. Head to zerofriction.com today. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show. Delighted to have your company. So, too, delighted to have the company of Danny Werfel, who was a legendary, of course, college football quarterback. He played for the University of Florida. He won the 1996 Heisman Trophy, and he led the Gators to their first national championship. He played six years in the NFL as well. Uh, Upon retirement, Danny focused his energy on the community. He's the president of the Werfel Foundation, and the executive director of Desire Street Ministries. He's dedicating himself to changing lives. This week he is hosting the Desire Cup Charity Golf Tournament at TPC Sawgrass. Pleasure to welcome Danny to the show. So, Danny, what is the uh, Thanks. – first of all, thanks for joining us, but what is the Desire Cup?
5: Yeah, thanks, Matt. Great to be with you. You know, uh, for us football fans, and especially in the Southeast, this is a big weekend coming up. Florida plays Georgia, and it's an iconic game in Jacksonville. And so we've kind of combined the, uh, the enthusiasm around the game, the, the energy, and we created a competitive golf event between Georgia fans and Florida fans between Georgia kind of celebrities and Florida celebrities called the Desire Cup. We're in our 13th year. And so, uh, you can actually compete for points for your team and your school. You get to meet several of the, the, the greats, you know, coach Spurrier will be there. Um, and we're going to have a big tribute for, uh, the late coach Dooley, the great coach for Georgia, who had been coming for years and passed away a year ago. And uh, just a really exciting uh, competitive. Someone wins uh, the Desire Cup, one team, and they get to have that for a year.
1: That sounds awesome, man. That sounds like a lot of fun. And I, I imagine for the fans on either side to be surrounded by their heroes Uh, such as you were describing, has to make for a really unique experience. Uh, Has the event been a success otherwise? I mean, obviously, on top of all this fun, you have an intent in having this event, and it's meant for the foundation. How has all that worked out?
5: It's been fantastic. It's been our biggest fundraiser of the year. Uh, We're going on our 13th year. All the funds that we raise go through the foundation right to Desire Street, which supports leaders that work in underserved neighborhoods with kids and families all over the, primarily the southeast, but all a little bit around the country. And so we've, uh, we've been able to leverage this event to really impact a lot of folks. So those are two of my favorite things, life, is having fun and helping others. And this is a great chance for us to do it.
1: D- Danny, was it always part of your makeup that you wanted to use the platform you were on, you wanted to use the forum that you were on in some way to touch the lives, better the lives of others.
5: You know, I think it was kind of baked into my DNA kind of through my family, through my parents, through our extended family that, you know, life really isn't just about you. Uh, You know, you do want to compete. I love to compete. I love to win. But when you realize you're kind of part of a bigger story on a team, you're part of a team. And, And I really believe life is a team sport. So, Anytime we can understand that and leverage our time, our talents, whatever money we have to impact other people, um, not only do I think it just it makes the world better, but I think we're wired that way, and so it gives us joy along the way.
1: From from the, the side of the competitiveness within you, you know that that I've never spoken to an athlete retired or otherwise where that burning competitive desire goes out. It always exists in some way, shape, or form. Is golf an outlet for you where where you can kind of feed that fire a little bit? It definitely has
5: been. Uh, You know, I think really recognizing our our relationship with competition is a lifelong journey because I think for some of us, it becomes so core to who we are that we're almost defining our identity based on do we win or lose and compete. So I've wrestled with that some, trying to be a better human being, but – Man, do I love to compete. And uh, I have to admit, though, Matt, golf has been one of the more frustrating ones for me. Many sports uh, I could just sort of pick up and be good at. Uh, but golf has, has been a challenge. I've grinded out at some points and, and, and have really enjoyed uh, using golf that way. And, and in a strange way now, pickleball has been that for me as well. I've really, really enjoyed adding pickleball to the mix. I love, love playing pickleball as well, and it gets, gets some of those competitive juices flowing.
1: And now, are, at what level are you playing pickleball? Is, is it a, a club level, or are you competing above that?
5: Um, competing above that. Uh, Pickleball's a little bit like golf in that once you hit 50, there's like a senior pro uh, type thing. And so mm-hmm. I'll be able to do that in January. And I kind of plan at about that level now and just really... Really enjoying it and uh, participating in the in the growing sport. In fact, we did a we're doing the golf fundraiser this week, but we did a pickleball celebrity pro am uh, a month ago, and that was a smashing success as well.
1: Very very cool. Now, for you, Danny, what is it like when you get to see the fruits of your labors? What is it like when you get to meet people whose lives you have changed through your efforts?
5: You know, um, sometimes you get to see that directly. Uh, Sometimes you see it later. It's Probably a little bit like raising kids. You invest and you invest and you think, what are we doing? And then every now and then they do something that really surprises you. But, uh, you know, the other day we got a, I saw a post from a a young man that used to be at Desire Street. And, um, you know, he was taking his kids to a library, which doesn't seem like a big deal. But but he he made in the post, he said, thanks, Desire Street, for teaching me how to read now I can pass that on to my kids. And he was a young man that when he came to Desire Street in New Orleans, he was in the eighth grade and he couldn't read. Uh, and so you think about that and you think about what what are the prospects for your life if you're about to go into high school and you can't read um, and, and where does that lead in life? And so the opportunity to impact that, I remember another moment where a, a kid from LSU, a football player, tackled a Florida Gator in the Gator Stadium. I'm obviously a Florida Gator and and everybody was sad about this, but I was like screaming for joy because this was a kid off the streets of New Orleans who went to our school, graduated, got a chance to play at LSU and, and now on a big stage and was doing some great things. So when you see these success stories, it's very motivating.
1: It's incredible. Uh, when you get out of bed in the morning, especially looking forward, we're getting into kind of that festive period and the holidays and, and then into 2024. What is Danny Werfel excited about right now?
5: um i love the the role i've worked really hard in my life at different roles at desire street and the foundation and i love the role that i get to play Uh, on doing more of the things that I, i really enjoy doing i'm very uh connected with people connected with the leaders connected with with our supporters and really enjoy those relationships and we built a team that handles a lot of the other kind of specifics of things that that i'm not as good at running our organization and developing things so we we just got such a great team, and I just love my role in it. Uh, My kids are getting older. I enjoy uh, hanging out with them. Although some uh, young boy came and picked up my my ninth-grade daughter to take her to homecoming last weekend. That wasn't so exciting for me, but uh, Mm -hmm. that's part of growing up, too, I guess.
1: Uh, Now, is there any way, uh, Danny, for for people that are listening to us or watching us uh, around the United States or around the world, is there any way that we can help you in your cause?
5: Yeah, thanks. Well, you know, it's probably a little bit late, but if anybody can actually get to TPC Sawgrass later this week, uh, there's still a few spots for dinner and golf. Um, That's at DesireCup.com. But probably more likely, if anybody is moved, uh, we have what we call the 19th hole. And it's a way for people around the country who can't come to still support the event, knowing that their financial gift is impacting lives around the country. So uh, we'd love for you to check it out. DesireCup.com and click on the 19th hole, make a big difference.
1: It's awesome stuff, Danny. We wish you the very, very best with all of your efforts. My wife's a Gator, by the way, so hey. she, she would. I'd be remiss if I didn't say go Gators for, for you and her. Uh, but we do wish you the very, very best with everything you do, and we know that you are changing lives. We know that you are touching lives, and it is a noble cause. Thank you for your time, my friend.
5: Thank you, Matt. Hey, congratulations on all your success and what you're doing. You do a great job. Thanks for having me on the show.
1: Thank you very much, sir. All right, folks, we'll be back with more of the Fairways of Life show right after this. I want to continue down the road of getting your reactions, and I will be taking Dom back in on the program to ask him this question. What are you guys saying about how much is too much? Is there a top end in terms of what you would pay to play the very best golf courses in the world? We just had Danny on his his event, Desire Cup, is at TPC Sawgrass, which is what sparked this whole conversation. Because TPC Sawgrass has announced that their greens fee, their rate, is going to go up to $900. Would you pay it? Or what would you pay to play some of the great golf courses that are available to you around the world? Stay with us
0: easy now find your happy place place. the PGA Tour Superstore it's all in the hips where every swing is possible just tap it in yes! (laughs) find all the latest gear, apparel and personalized club fittings
3: is this goodbye? we've only just
0: begun shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place the PGA Tour Superstore in Ireland golf is more than just a game come and experience our world famous links courses and our world famous parkland courses all set alongside world famous scenery and visit our world famous historic sites and while you're here enjoy our world famous hospitality fill your heart with Ireland at Ireland.com forward slash golf
4: The Gen 6 iron is a culmination of everything that we have learned as a team. The absolute best golf club I have ever hit. It's something special. Say hello to the new PXG Gen 6 iron. The longest, most accurate irons we've ever made. They go higher and farther than any iron that I have hit to date. And they're so easy to hit. Super excited for the consumer to try this. They're going to love them. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do. Period. Baseball? Nah. Football? Done it. I think I'm going to go after the PGA Tour. Bo, you're going to need the right equipment company. I think I got that. You know Tour Edge backs all their clubs with a lifetime warranty. I know. They ship all their premium custom clubs in 48 hours. I know. All their premium clubs are hand-built in the USA. I know. You know Tour Edge has won 35 times out here. Guys, I know. Pound for pound, nothing comes close. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One
0: zero one. Gives
4: you feedback in real time. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback.
2: The Wiz are really helped me to keep that consistent swing.
4: You can go out there on your own and just hit balls, and it'll fix your golf game.
2: Transition on plane. The
3: Wiz sold exclusively at thewizgolf.com.
1: How much would you pay to play Pebble Beach? Now, according to our research, it's $625 to play Pebble. And again, at these rates, I'm going to tell you that we're not confirming. We're not doing an advertisement. We're just telling you that's what we found online, right? And I don't believe that includes caddies and all that, but it's ironic that I could throw a figure at you of $625. And then also tell you that that's in the mid-tier of prices. Now, this is Kings Barns, a little less, 460, outside of St. Andrews. We had a chance to play this when we had our listeners' trip there at the end of May. Absolutely fabulous. It is a fabulous golf course. There's no doubt about that. But TPC Sawgrass that we've been talking about is what launched this whole conversation because they announced that they're putting their rates up to $900. And like I told you, you do not put your rate up to $900 unless you think you can get $900. It may impact you know, your total rounds. I mean, everybody that runs a premium golf course is looking for that perfect tipping point where you get high greens fees, as high as you can get for your particular market in your facility, but it actually lowers the number of rounds that you put on the golf course while still giving you a higher return. That's, that's the ideal situation. Some people don't stop there because of demand. They just raise the price and keep on pumping the rounds. And I mean, how much can you complain about that if you were one of the people that wanted to play there? So with that, I'm very curious. Is there a top end for you guys where you would say, no, I'm not going beyond that. Don, what are we hearing from the people in terms of, where they say, I, I'd pay this for that, but not, not more.
3: Uh, a lot. So the question is, how, how much is too much to play? And the options are $200 or more, $300 or more, $400 or more, or the right course is just priceless. We'll pay whatever it costs. Yep. Right now, uh, there's still a, a wide gap. $200 or more is at 61%. Most of you think anything over $200 is just too much money to play golf. And then, of course, there's tons of stuff coming in. Sean writes TPC Scottsdale is $500. The pandemic ruined golf. <laughs> okay. Sawgrass, Derek writes, $900? Never. Paul says $500 for one round? That's insane. TPC is $900? No. I would find a bunch of other places equally satisfying to play, Kevin says. I'd spend uh, Pebble to play six hundred dollars to play. Pe- I it, uh, this is must have been mistyped by Michael. I have spent six hundred dollars to play Pebble one time. He says, okay. "I wouldn't spend four hundred dollars to play Pinehurst Number Two, Mid Pines, Pine Needles, Southern Pines. They're all very similar experience. Obviously, they're all in that same area there. Uh, for a lot less money, he says, uh, I would pay uh, both Lahinch and Ballybunion for three hundred dollars." I would pay $350 to pay to play the plantation course at Kapalua. Derek I, didn't, writes, I didn't look that one up, he, he, I don't, if, you, if you recall.
1: Did that person say they did pay 350 or they would? Because I don't know no, what no. it is to play They'd there. say
3: I would pay $350 to play. I don't know what the plantation course costs. We'd have to look Somebody that knows. up. Derek in Morocco writes, by the way, Derek, I hope uh, uh, things are going well in Morocco for you guys. I know they're still sort of uh, dealing with uh, the after effects of, what was it, an earthquake, Matt, that hit them? So hopefully things are, are on the up and up there. Uh, he says, my membership is 1,000 euros a year, and I get to play four golf courses. Ooh. <laughs> so not a fan of paying hundreds of dollars, it looks like. $900 is stupid. $800 for TPC isn't worth it. There's a trend here, Matt. Uh, for the most part, folks are just saying that this stuff is just too much money, regardless of the experience. However, listen to this. I would pay $2,000 to play Augusta National. Now keep in mind the courses we are talking about. Yeah, I'm not going down that road. What down. Matt is mentioning, yeah, yeah I'm not going public, down that road. These are accessible golf courses that anyone can anyone can play. I'm not going Obviously, down the crazy road of saying courses that
1: you can't play. We can't get on Augusta National, so I I'm,
3: well then stop talking about it. Yeah. Uh, NBT three writes on the question of golf being too expensive. I paid nearly three hundred dollars to play the West Course at PGA in Frisco. I was good with it. That's the new facility down there in Frisco, the new PGA uh, America headquarters. That's supposed to be stunning. It sounds like he had a great time, even though it was whatever it was, $300. Uh, For the total price, Kevin writes, of a single three-day stay and playing Pebble, I could fly to Ireland and play four or five great courses and have a great time. (laughs) I think what he's referencing there is, I believe to play Pebble, you need to be staying on the Pebble property somewhere for two nights to get get a tee time there. And I don't obviously, a, a night at a hotel at one of the hotels there is very, very pricey. Plus the cost of of the round of golf. So you're into the thousands at that point for that round of golf. And then this is an interesting comment here. We spend five or six hundred dollars on a on a on a putter or the latest driver, but heaven forbid we pay two hundred dollars to play a round of golf. I mean, that driver lasts you most people years of rounds of golf. Well, here's the question I have for you, and there's a lot more coming in, and we appreciate it. We love it. But I think, Matt, you're in a very unique position having been a golf course operator that I think you could answer most, if not all, of this question that I would have. And I think the people would have a similar question. Can you explain why a higher-end property can charge that amount of money? Is it as simple as they can charge what they can charge because people will pay it? Or... Does the cost to run a facility like Pinehurst number two or like Pebble do they literally need that money? Do they have to have it in order to maintain it at that level? Or is it literally a jacked up price? Is it possible to have these higher end courses be two hundred dollars or one hundred and ninety nine dollars per round even at these high end facilities and they can still it can still be business as usual. They just won't get the same margins? Or is there literally a tiered system because of how these golf courses are built and facilities that are there and the staff that has to get paid and the maintenance required. Can you explain a little bit about the cost structure and and why it might be that amount of money?
1: I mean, the old course at St. Andrews has been there for 600 years. So there's there isn't a massive infrastructure built into the ground at the old course. In contrast, uh, for example to Whistling Straits in Kohler, Wisconsin, which has tremendous amount of engineering that's been built into it because that was a, a, a absolute flat piece of land. It was, it was a former training military training grounds uh, that they built up into what it is today. So the quick answer to your question is is that the pricing of these golf courses, these premium destination bucket list golf courses is no different than going to a high-end premium steakhouse. Does a high-end premium steakhouse have higher operating cost than the steakhouse that might be a chain that's around the corner? Yeah, they do have higher operating costs. Is the higher operating, because, because of the, the quality of the meat that they're bringing in, the way that, that they decorate the place, et cetera, et cetera, uh, all of that adds to it. The, probably the lease payments that they make or the purchase price and facility. All of that adds to the operating cost. Does that higher cost equate to the higher fees that the consumer pays? No. So now you are talking about margin as far as that goes. So the, the quick answer is, could these premium bucket list destination resort golf courses charge less and still have the same level of quality as they currently have? The answer is undoubtedly yes, they could do that. On the other side of it is, should they charge less They are a business, and they're going to charge what that business can get for the service that they provide. And the other thing that happens with with premium facilities, especially because of a conversation like we're having, right, we're broadcasting this around the world, and then uh, our national TV broadcasts on the weekends when these types of discussions come up, there becomes a bit of a greens fee arms race that gets involved. And if you are a premium golf course, and somebody mentioned, like, ireland i even know it with the courses that i belong to in ireland that when they're trying to set the international fees that they are cognizant of what courses they feel are competitors to them particularly in their area and what they're charging and they have to be careful that they stay within touch zone because let me ask you this question again let me ask the people this question if you see Two products, whatever they are, whether we're talking about a dinner or a food or a car or a golf, whatever it is. And from from the eye test, the two products seem to be very similar. Alike, even, if you want to, if you want to take it to that extreme. But one costs dramatically less than the other. Are you a believer that you get what you pay for? So the higher fee for whatever that widget is that we're talking about in this case the one that costs more has naturally got to be better and so that also impacts pricing at times at many times these premium golf courses are a hook to bring you into something more and you already talked about it with pebble beach uh, with accommodations and i don't know too many people that go out to pebble beach by themselves and play a to golf. They usually have uh, their significant other with them or friends with them or what have you. So you can see how it compounds in terms of the revenue that's brought in for these facilities that keep them at a premium level, notwithstanding the, the margins that they are seeking to make uh, beyond that. So I'm not sure if that answered the entirety of your question, Don, but, but yes, it is. It is very much about satisfying demand. It is very much about making a profit as well.
3: Yeah, I do think that answers the question. I think it's interesting. Um, That answer for me personally makes me feel a little bit like the stars need to align in order to pay that money. Like it needs to to make sense in a lot of places and check a lot of boxes to be worth that amount of money. And like the food example is a good example. I'm a big foodie, right? I really am. And I, I do all the cooking in my family. I love to cook. I like to consider myself a pretty good cook. And I'm not willing to pay exorbitant prices for most food. And I think it's a very good parallel to golf, Matt, because you can go to a food truck on the side of the road and sometimes get the best taco you've ever had in your life. And everybody watching this show has played a, quote, dog track and had the time of their life or found what they think is a gem hidden on some road or in the town over that no one's ever heard of that the greens fees are $40 or $35 and you play it and you have the round of your life or it's incredible or the conditions are way better than you expected. And you really had an incredible time and it felt like a hundred dollar round of golf and it cost almost nothing. So that's why for me personally, it's hard to think about, well, is $400 really worth it? And I think the answer is yes, if it checks a lot of the boxes. Like if I'm playing with a really good friend like you, or if I'm playing golf with my son, or if, if, if it's a special, you know, it's a, a round a wedding, or it's a, a special round of golf for another reason, then I think that money, at least, again, this is how I look at it. It makes sense. But most of the time, if I want a really good fillet, I can cook it myself on the grill and it's better than 90% of the places I would get it at. So why would I go and spend that money? So that's kind of how I look. I think it's interesting. One question that came in that I wanted to to comment on, uh, I can't find it now, but someone asked uh, us, are there any courses that the tour players play that we can get on that are like reasonable, like two hundred dollars or less. And I was just looking through the tour schedule at the at the golf courses. The short answer is not really, but there are a couple that are relatively affordable. I believe Tory Pines, although it's hard to get on, is under two hundred dollars. I think it's about one hundred seventy-five dollars to play Tory Pines, which obviously is where they play the. Um, you know they go, they, they play it, the name has changed over the years, but they play it every year. Farmers, yeah, uh, huge event. Innisbrook Resort, um, Copperhead Course. I believe that round is about $200 for that round of golf. Again, relatively reasonable. And then I also think under $200 is Harbortown Golf Links. I believe that is under $200. But for the most part, about half the courses on tour are private. You can't get on them anyway. And then a lot of them are TPC. Some of the TPCs are public, but those rounds of golf traditionally are over $200 or more in some cases. And then there's a couple of events that are held at golf courses that are astronomical in terms of cost, but there's, there's courses that are on the corn Ferry tour that are on the LPGA tour that you can go and play that are in that range. So you can play where the pros play. If you will, you can find those courses. You, you can, you, you got to look for them, but you can, they're there. They are there. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, do you understand fairness... what I'm saying, Matt, about the food? Is that a fair, is that a fair analogy?
1: Yeah, I do I do think it's a fair analogy because what we're – and that ties into what I was just about to say is that what we're really talking about here are bucket list destination golf courses. These are golf courses that you might play if you're a really frequent traveler. You might play courses of this stature on average once a year, right? I mean you could – like when we do our trip up to Boyne. There's 10 courses up there, world-class golf courses, fabulous golf courses. In fact, I think we've we've gotten enough response, Dom, from our last trip up there in the fall, late summer. Uh, and there was so much excitement. We had to turn people away, as you guys know, unfortunately, but that's that's the popularity of going to a place like like Bourne. In fact, I have my Boyne shirt on today. And I think we're going to go back there again at the end of next summer. Maybe, maybe – uh, Just under a year from now, we'll we'll head back up because what we started to do with Boyne was we, we put together a trip where we actively encouraged to say, if your significant other, he or she doesn't play golf, bring him anyway, because there's so much to do at these Boyne resorts. There's three of them up there in northern Michigan. There's so much to do. Just let them come on and and we'll play golf when we play golf, like Donna, my wife took took a whole bunch of the ladies that didn't play in one day and it wasn't that they weren't golfers they some of them played they just didn't play this one afternoon and they went to Mackinac Island where you know there's no cars there and there's just you know the horses and the carriages and the bicycles and and all the rest and it allowed us to to play thirty six holes that day without any problem it was fun it was really fun so uh, all i'm saying is there there are options that you can go to places that are special but by and large with these i mean look at that look at that uh, go ahead Andrew. take that shot yeah there that it's so incredible that you can play a place that you feel like you're in scotland or you or you feel like you're in pebble beach on the inland sea that is lake michigan so there are options around that in in Dominic and myself are very cognizant of that you know it's it's really interesting Dom now in in this conversation Uh, let's let's go back to Dominic here because I want to ask him about about confirming something if I remember correctly Dom when we did the trip to Boyne just weeks ago now wasn't it around $1,900 if memory serves me.
3: Yeah, there were definitely packages that were under 2000. I think it might have been as low as 1800, 1700 something. Oh, okay. Something like so that, it was yeah. even less than what I said. And we played and that, I played I played 6 rounds of golf.
1: It was 6 rounds and of golf and multiple I probably could played
3: 7. I probably could played 7, but I played 6. Yeah.
1: Six rounds of golf, multiple dinners and all the rest plus the accommodations which were incredible and luxurious and it's kind of head-scratching when you think about it. There are options. That's what I'm saying. First of all, there are options. That's a separate conversation. I don't know how I went down a row, but there are. But what I was saying with these big courses are, they're they're premium bucket list destination courses. And I, uh, to me personally, I think the answer is when you set a trip to go, say, to Pebble Beach, I'm assuming that you're not playing – one, multiple rounds because it's hard to at Pebble, but I'm assuming you're not playing multiple rounds of that same level as Pebble, 600 and something dollars. So I think that for me that the answer is, is when you build a trip, you kind of build it around these premium destinations. Like when we did our trip to, to St. Andrews, it was an expensive trip. There's no doubt about it. You know, you had Carnoustie, you had King's Barnes, you had the old course, I could go on. There was a lot of really beautiful courses, but we mixed in these gems like Cruden Bay, where I'm not going to, I don't know what what you consider expensive or not expensive. So I'm I'm not necessarily heading down that road, but I do know that these other courses I'm mentioning don't peak out. Uh, at the same level as these so-called bucket list courses so i think that's my small bit of advice is is when you're considering a trip try to make sure that there's some balance there between these really premium courses that everybody in the world seemingly knows about and desires to play and courses that may not be at that level so that you can kind of balance the the money out a little bit you know for what it's worth uh dom anything else you want to add before we wrap up today
3: yeah, I think Chase summed it up really well, and I think it, it wraps a bow around our conversation. He said, $425 is nothing for a lifetime dream. I agree with that.
1: Well put, Jason. I think D. that,
3: that is aligned very well with, with what we're talking about and is exactly what we're talking about. So, it is yeah. That.
1: All right, hope you guys have uh, a great the, one. The we've final got tally
3: was 65%, by the way.
1: 65% what?
3: $200 or more. That's it. Think think that's that's too expensive quote unquote, yeah.
1: That's the line. Now I just I always wonder if there's a, if there's a, a some kind of bias built into the to the question without without meaning to. If that question had been phrased differently and said what would you spend to play your bucket list course that your once in a lifetime course, I have a feeling that the answer would come back differently. The percentage of the answers would come back differently.
3: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I would agree with that. Yeah.
1: All right, folks, uh, you guys have a great one. Looking forward to your company again. Don't forget about our national television broadcast of the Fairways of Life show. You can find it on weekends uh, at affiliates near you. Please check your local listings. And until we are together again, be well and goodbye for now.